Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, let's get our Bibles out. We're talking about as it is in heaven, and I'm pumped about what God's wanting to tell us today. He's what he's wanting to show, show us as it is in heaven. We love our Bibles here at the Rhodes Church. We get excited when we open them up. Why? Because we believe it's our bread. We're going to eat some bread today. So Rhodes, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City, E. Rhodes family. Come on, let's get excited as we open our Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Woo! Matthew chapter 6. Everybody ready for the word today? This section right here was ready for the word today. Anybody else ready for the word? I didn't say you're ready for me. <laughs> I can understand the not being excited about that, but ready for the word. Let's get a little more pumped about that. Sermon notes are in, on the YouVersion Bible app in the events section, none in the worship guide. If you like the paper notes and you want those to be brought back, uh, please call the office and let us know. We're kind of feeling that out, whether we want to bring them back or not. Don't know whether that was a blessing or not to people. They may just want to get them online, but uh, let us know about that. Let's pray before we get in the, into the Word. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, the teacher to guide us into all truth. So, Father, I just yield control to you. We bind every lie of the enemy, every spirit that would try and work against your agenda. And we release the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us. Come, Lord, bring this word to life. That it be more than stories and words on a page. But, God, I pray that it be your voice speaking to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6. I want to start reading in verse 9. It says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've been on this series of talks based mainly around Verse 10, where it says, your kingdom come and your will be done. When we're talking about your kingdom, here's one I want to break down a little bit. When it says your kingdom, remember who's talking? It's Jesus is talking. He's teaching on prayer. So I like to give context for scripture again, so we're not just reading phrases, we not know what he's talking about. Contextually, he's talking about prayer. So Jesus is teaching us about how to pray. And he says, I want you to pray this way. Pray our Father in heaven... Holy, hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come. Notice he specifies the kingdom. It's been a little bit, so I want to reiterate what kingdom means. Kingdom means a realm or a domain that a king rules over, a system or the way the king rules. So when he says your kingdom come, he's saying essentially, Father in heaven, your system or your way of ruling come to the earth. The way you do things, how you roll, how you look at things, your perspectives, you come, kingdom of heaven, come on the earth. we got to remember this, the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom with a king and not just another ideology, viewpoint, religion, concept, or optional lifestyle. When we talk about the kingdom of heaven, it is a kingdom with a king. Why am I saying that? Because I believe, especially in the Midwest, the Bible Belt, and all of that, we get brought up in churchianity and religion so much that we forget 
Christianity is not a building and a preacher. Christianity is a king with a kingdom. It goes beyond one church. It goes beyond one building. There is one king, and his name is Jesus. So it's not about which preacher's the best. It's not about that. There's only one king, and it's Jesus. So once we understand that there is a king and a kingdom, everything falls under his leadership. The world would like us to believe that Christianity is just another concept or idea and shouldn't be valued above any others. Like, hey, that's just one viewpoint on life. That's just one way of viewing the world. You know, you don't, don't be so, uh, I say, in a position of thinking your way is the right way. Christianity is just one way. You can live how you want to live. I'll live how I want to live. I understand that. That's a plausible argument if... We're all just a bunch of living organisms and there's no creator God. Then we all can just have opinions and viewpoints and you can be right and I can be right and we can all be right and we can all just get along. But if there is a creator God, it creates a problem. It creates a problem in that there has to be one who says this is how I want to do it. And when there is a creator God, that creator God now gets to speak into how he wants things run, how he wants to do things. If it's his heaven, it's his rules. So as long as I believe there's a creator God, then now I have to believe in what talks about the creator God. Well, the Bible is what tells us about a creator God. So if there's a creator God and there's a Bible that talks about the creator God, then now everything in that Bible that talks about creator God also applies to my life. We can't pick and choose and say, well, I want to believe in God, but I don't want to believe in all the stuff in this book. Well, the only reason we believe there is a God is because of this book. So now we've got to look at it on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the theme for today. The theme is that from the very beginning, God's desire was heaven on earth. And we're going to illustrate that. I'm going to focus in this service. I'm not going to talk about the Big Bang Theory. That was the first service. Let's move on. So your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom, your will, your plans, your, the way you want it done, your desires, your purposes, your values be done. Where? On earth as it is where? I know it seems like a very easy phrase, but I want to get this in your mind. Here's what Jesus said. That the will of God is on earth as. What does that mean, as? So comparative word that means like, similar, according to. So in other words, pray that it is on earth the same way it is in heaven. Here's what we have to understand. God wanted us on this earth to have one assignment that was to make earth like heaven. Let's look at it. Let me, I'm going to give you three examples of the plan of God from the beginning that he wanted the earth to be like heaven. Are you ready? Three examples. Here we go. Number one is the earth itself. Genesis chapter 2. The earth itself. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he'd formed. He planted a garden. Can you imagine God, the creator of the universe, planted a garden. It doesn't say he planted a globe. He planted a garden 
eastward in Eden. So now he not only planted just a section, he put it in a specific location. He said, right there. You see him running with the tiller? I'm not sure that's how it went down. But he planted a garden right there eastward in Eden, scattering out the seeds. I don't know how he's doing it, but right here he planted a garden. And what did that garden look like? It looked like heaven. The garden was a copy of heaven. And he planted a segment of heaven on earth. He planted it. What is planting? In the Midwest, in the, in where we live, we should eat up the system of heaven as well as anybody in the world. Why? Because we should understand the process of planting, growing, harvesting. The kingdom of heaven is likened to farmers so much we should be able to grasp a hold of how God does things because we understand farming. So he planted a garden. And then what did he do? Okay. So uh, then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Then the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the where? In the garden of Eden. So he put him in that little segment that he tilled up. Garden of Eden to do what? To do two things. Number one, to tend and to keep. What's the, what's the first word tend mean? The word tend means to work, to serve, to expend considerable energy and intensity in a task or a function. We've had the wrong concept sometimes that God put Adam and Eve in the garden to sit around and eat grapes. That all what it's like in the garden, they just laid around all day and sang choruses. We were created to work. We were created to work. They were put in the garden to tend the garden. That means to put out considerable energy. Well, I don't believe we had to work. That's part of the curse is we had to work. No, to earn wages, that was part of the curse. But we're always supposed to work and be productive. We're always supposed to produce something. God never loves lazy. He says some harsh things about lazy. Do a little search on the word lazy in the Bible and see how many times God's going, yay, good job. So now, so he said, put him in there to tend it and to keep it. What's the word keep means? To hedge about, to guard, or protect. So mankind's job from the beginning was to Develop and reproduce the garden, to increase the garden, to spread the garden, and to protect and guard what they produce. Sometimes in life we do a good job of producing something and a bad job of protecting what we produce. It's twofold responsibility for humanity. We're not, o- not only supposed to produce what God tells us to produce, but we're also to be careful to guard and protect it from being stolen. Sometimes we can think that just because it's there, it's always going to be there. These kind of values produce, there's a scripture in the Bible, in the book of Judges, I believe it is, where it says they raised up a generation that did not know God. What's the danger of that? And it's what happened in our, it can happen in our country, that God says, okay, I'm going to give you a nation built on freedom, built on the principles of loving God and serving God. And if you don't guard and protect that nation, you can lose some of the things that I gave you. So they're supposed to tend it and keep it. So the garden. 
That represents what we do, what we do for a living, what we work, where we live, where we live, the gardens where we live and where we work. So here's the first thing, point number one. Where we live and where we look, where, where we live and where we work should be on earth as it is in heaven. Let that settle in your heart for a minute. Where you live and where you work, how they function, think on earth as it is in heaven. You don't know my job. I don't know your job, but I know the God in you that you can help change. You can't change the people around you. God didn't plant that garden and say, Zappo, the whole earth is going to be covered in the garden. Their goal was to spread that garden all around the globe till the whole world looked like the garden. Didn't make it very far. Chapter 3, things kind of went awry. All right, so let's go further. Uh, second, th- second example of on earth as it is in heaven, the temple of God. God gave Moses the plans to build the tabernacle. In Exodus 26, verse 30, and you shall raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern, which you were shown on the mountain. So Moses was told to build a tabernacle. And this is how we worship God or how we serve God, represents that. He said, I want you to build the tabernacle according to the pattern that you got on the mountain. What does that mean, practically? We're supposed to build our lives on the pattern that we hear from God and not from people. Build according to the pattern you get on the mountain. What did the mountain represent? The mountain represent our alone time, our time with Jesus. We need to build our lives around the presence of God in our life, connecting with God and not around our own brain. If we build our lives according to the pattern of our own brain, we will be limited to what we can do. But when we build our lives according to the pattern of what we hear on the mountain, Creator God can speak into your heart and show you things you will never figure out without Him. We build according to the pattern we get on the mountain. So I don't get a pattern if I never get on the mountain. I never get a pattern from God if I never spend time with God. I don't understand why God's not showing me. It's because we don't go to the mountain. And what does that mean? That mountain could be my closet. It could be by my bed. It could be in the sunroom. It could be wherever. Have a mountain place where you go get alone with God. He'll tell you a pattern what to build by. The vessels of ministry inside the tabernacle were copies of things in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when Moses was told how to build the tabernacle and have the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the bronze altar, all of that, uh, all, all the bowl for washing, all of that was actually copies of what was already in heaven. The tabernacle on the earth, the temple, the Solomon built, all of that was a copy of what was already in heaven. So from the beginning, God's agenda has been on earth as it is in heaven. What is it like in heaven? Well, look inside the temple, and that's a lot of what it looked like. Jesus had to go. Do you remember? Oh, I don't have time for this. You remember when Jesus came out of the, of the tomb and he met Mary in the garden and he said, don't touch me? You remember that? He said, I haven't ascended to my father. You know what he, what he was going to do? He was going up into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. Do you know how Moses sprinkled blood on the mercy seat in the natural? Jesus was going up to sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat to eternally pay for the price of sin and bring peace between God and man. So yeah, that's, that's another teaching. But anyway, so in our worship, number three, 
third way that's supposed to be like heaven on earth. Mankind itself, us as human beings, who we are. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, who's us? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Who's talking here? Then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where are they at the time they're saying this? They are in heaven. Let us, in heaven, make man on the earth. What image and likeness did he decide to make mankind on the earth? He made it in the image of God. Can you see it? It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. I underlined it and italicized it in green. <laughs> then God, you're welcome. Then God said, let us, is it, reason I'm saying this is because religion and churchianity does not like for us to think like this. That we have the audacity to think we are earthly copies of a heavenly God. I didn't say we are God. I didn't say we are independent of God. We are just humans. But with God, we are copies of God on the earth. He said, I made you in my image and my likeness. I have to do something with that scripture. You have to do something with that. I can either say I don't believe that. Or I can say it's what God said. So you can look at your neighbor and say, you look like God. Now some people, ooh, they get nervous right away. Religion gets jumpy on that. They're like, no, no. They, no, I'm just a worthless piece of slime. And they think that's godly talk. Because religion has taught us if we beat ourselves down, we're more like God. That's not the kingdom. When we, don't, when we talk like the way God tells us to talk and that we like, I'm made in his image and his likeness, so i got to start thinking like him. On earth as it is in heaven. He put us on the earth and said, I want you to be like me on the earth. Let me give you another example. Romans chapter 8. You didn't like the creation verse? Let me go to another one. Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Some people, they've, it's the only verse in the Bible they've ever quoted. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Predestined is not a controlling word, it's a determination word. Some people look at predestined like it's a controlling word, like you have no choice. Predestined means someone predetermined their thoughts and their decision. They did not determine yours. Predestination doesn't say, I'm going to tell you what you're going to think. Predestination is, I'm telling you what I've already decided ahead of time. He predestined us to do what? He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. That word conform means similar in nature and essence. What did God predestine you to be? He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Who's his son? Jesus. Do you know that you were destined, predestined by God to be conformed into the image of Jesus? No, really, like, I know that's the right textbook answer. But do you know that God's predetermined will for you was not to be a church attender? He didn't say, I have predestined for them to attend church. That's not what it says. I predestined you to be conformed into the image of my son. Yeah, yeah. High bar. 
high bar, but it's still the bar. I can't pretend it's not there. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Well, I can't be like Jesus. God said that's his predetermined will for us. Am I like Jesus? Not all the time. But he's given us a goal that he's predestined you to not be better than the worst person you know. That's not his determined will. You know what I'm saying? How we compare ourselves with the worst person we know so we can feel better about ourselves? Oh, Lord Jesus, I just thank you I'm not like one of these. Some people in the Bible said that and Jesus wasn't too proud of them. So it's not like, well, Lord, I just thank you that I'm not as bad as those people. No, I'm predestined to be conformed to the image of a son. So even our own life, God did not put mankind on the earth to survive the earth, but he put us on the earth to make it look like heaven. Why did Jesus come on the earth? Let me say this about Jesus real quick. His son Jesus, he's the one we're supposed to conform into his image. He was born of a woman, grew in wisdom and favor with God and man, was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's our model. That's the image we're supposed to be conformed into. I just thought I was supposed to have a job and be a good person. No, we're supposed to be like Jesus. I can't do that. With him, we can. With him, we can. All right, so now let's put this. On earth as it is in heaven. I want to say it this way. God didn't put us on earth just to get out of the earth. Religion and churchianity has taught us earth is bad. Get out of here and get to heaven. That's religion. Our goal here is just to survive. At some point, pray a prayer so we get our ticket punched and we get to go to the sweet by and by someday. Does that sound familiar? I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just giving my gospel upbringing in a nutshell. Yeah, if we, yeah. So churchianity has been viewed too much like a spare tire. Like our Christianity is there in case of emergency. If I get in a bind, Jesus, I got a flat out here at 64. When our life hits a flat, all of a sudden Christianity becomes our emergency. I'm in a bad spot. As long as we're cruising along and everything's going the way we want it to, we're going where we want, when we want, we don't ever need the spare tire. But once you get a flat, when you're in a hurry to get somewhere, let's see if you're praising God for that spare tire. You're like, God. Man, I can't believe it. Get out there and you got to change the tire. We're treating God too much in our life like he's just a spare tire. And I don't need him unless I'm in a bind, a major tragedy, or I'm old and I want to go to heaven. God's agenda from the beginning was building an earth according to his model. Here's the problem. The church became satisfied with people merely coming to church instead of them becoming something. This is what we're wanting to change with our agenda, with the foundations class, with our discipleship initiative, what Steve was talking about in the video, and what we're going to be launching in the fall and in next and into the winter months coming forward with our groups. Our agenda, our motivation is not for just you to come. We want you to become. 
We want you to become. We're not satisfied with you coming anymore. That's not enough. We're thankful you come, glad you come, keep coming. But in the process of coming, we should be becoming. We should be coming better. We should be growing. We should be conforming into the image of Jesus more and more. We should be further along the road in our Christianity now than we were six months ago. If not, something's wrong and we need to reevaluate. What are you becoming? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed, again, shaped to the pattern or set of standards of this world. Do not be shaped to a pattern or set of standards of this world, but what be transformed by renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So here's what we see from this. Our personal lives as well as the world around us, are not to conform to the pattern or set of values of this world, but they are to conform to the pattern of heaven. How we live, how we think, how we work, how we operate, it should be conforming to a heavenly model, not an earthly model. We're not to be shaped according to the pattern of the the values and the set of standards of social media or culture. We're not trying to fit in. We're not trying to be like them. We're, not, we're spending too much time trying to fit into a world we were never supposed to be like. Followers of Jesus, we need to get it in our hearts and be okay with the fact we're not supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to be like the world. That's not what we got. God didn't say, hey, check on TikTok to see what their values and standards are and pattern yourself after that. He didn't say, look at other guys at work or other ladies at work or compare yourself among yourself. See what is trending on Twitter or see what Facebook says. He didn't say any of that. He said, I want you to conform to the pattern of heaven and not the pattern of the world. We're not supposed to fit into a world that doesn't look like heaven. We're not supposed to fit into a world that doesn't look like heaven. We should, be, we should be weird. We should be standing out. For a world that does not look like heaven, you should be a beaming light of oddity. What is different about you? I don't belong here. <laughs> That'll create some good conversations, right? But no, seriously, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you know how you be around people and you hear them talk, and as soon as you hear their accent or something, you say, like, you're not from around here, are you? You know, if you get around people, and they, and you, and they come, and they talk to you, they come to the office, and they say, man, it is amazing. Look at all the corn around here. It's just incredible, all that corn. I'm like, you're not from here, are you? And we don't, it's just corn. They're amazing. Fields just everywhere, corn. I saw cows all over the place. Dude, you're not from here, are you? Not from here. We in our life as followers of Jesus, when we get in a worldly setting, we should stand out, friends, co-workers, whoever, they should say, You're, are you, where are you from? You're not from here. You talk different. You live different. When you, get, when you go to school and, and you're walking the hallways, you're going to classrooms, everybody's talking or you're doing things or activities or sports, and they see your life and how you talk, how you live, they should say, what, what, something's different about you. Don't feel weird about that. 
The problem with Christianity, too many times I feel like we got to apologize, like we're the ones in the wrong. Hey, the Christians are the ones serving Jesus. They're one that's on the inside scoop of what it's really going to be like. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, uh, yeah, time's sake. So God's agenda, let me, let me explain this. God's agenda from the beginning was building on earth according to the model of heaven. Do you understand that part? Are you okay with me on that? Are you okay with that, really, the rest of you? So we're not supposed to conform to the world. We're supposed to transform the world. But if we think we're just supposed to survive the world, we won't try and transform it. If we think we're just supposed to get to heaven, we won't try and transform this world. Our efforts will be towards surviving this world. And I want to submit to you that the kingdom of heaven is not about surviving this world. Jesus loves this world. He doesn't want us just to get zapped out of here and let everything go to hell. He wants this world transformed. From the beginning, that's been his desire. He's not changed. We have been all over the board with theology over the years, but he has not changed his agenda, and that is to save, seek and to save that which is lost. So now, let me give you some examples. So if God's agenda was building earth, uh, building on earth as it had, does that include an entire nation? Does that include a government? Does that include, include belief systems? Uh, let me give you this example. When God established the nation of Israel, he established it on a certain set of principles and values and address, that addressed all areas of life based on the patterns and values of heaven. What's going on in our country or around the world, whatever's happening, good or bad, the consequences, what's taking place is not because of a political party. It's because of principles and values. People make decisions based on principles and values they hold true to. So therefore, those principles and values, they make decisions on those principles and values, and those principles and values decisions have a consequence that reverberates out into every part of society. So people get upset and say, that's because of a political party's in charge, you're wrong. It's because certain principles and values are in charge. We're not trying to change parties. Parties are not the answer. Principles and values is the answer. Because we're serving a kingdom, not a political party, not just a church. We're serving a king and a kingdom. So we want the principles and the kingdom of heaven. So when God started Israel as a nation, what did he do? Did he say, you know, because there's a big term now that's, uh, that's kind of a, a negative term, nationalism. Say, you know, nationalism's bad, we need to be more global. We need to be more global. I understand, I'm fine with that from the concept of being open-minded to that God is not an American. I am not for America for the sake of America. I am for America because if America serves and loves Jesus. America was only good because it was founded on godly principles. That's the only reason it was good. It wasn't good because we're America. God, love, God doesn't love us any more than anybody else on the planet. It's only when we follow his principles and values are we blessed. When God rules the earth or rules a nation, the people are blessed. So now, when God set up a nation, look, look what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Hope you're with me here. When the Lord, God, Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, this is when he entered the promised land, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them. 
do not follow them. Who's them? The nations that he's booting out. After they are destroyed from before you and that you do not inquire after their gods. Listen to this part. This is so important. So relevant to society. From before you that you do not inquire after their gods saying, how did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. God was saying when I start the nation of Israel, when I start up a new nation, do not ask other nations how they do it. Ask me how I do it. Well, I think we need to get the opinions of other nations. Not if they're not getting the opinion of Jesus. It's not about anything other than Jesus is king. And he says, listen, do not ask how they do it. God himself said, don't ask them how they serve their God. Because when you inquire about their way, it will tempt you to start doing it their way. He said, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. Question, who gets to determine what's an abomination? Do I get to determine what an abomination is? Do you get to determine what abomination is? No, it's above our pay grade. You know who gets to determine what an abomination is? God does. His heaven, his rules. And God said, what these nations were doing to their gods is an abomination and I hate it. So don't do what they're doing. What did they do? For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. They're killing their children. They're sacrificing their children. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it, and you shall not add to it nor take away from it. Deuteronomy 18.9, he says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. Wait a minute, shouldn't we be inclusive and just get the opinions of everybody? God is the most inclusive being in the universe. He says, Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He says, anyone can come to the cross. Anybody can come. There's room at the cross for you, the old song said. But there's only one cross. Anybody can come to the cross, but there's only one. So God's invitation is to everyone, but there's still only one way. Hey, you can come, you can come, Muslim, Buddha, Hindu, it doesn't matter. Anybody can come to the cross, but you have to come to the cross. There's only one. There's only one. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 16. But the cities, but of the cities of these peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall not, you shall let nothing that breeze remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. The Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Just as the Lord your God has commanded you, lest you, they teach you to do according to all their abominations. Leviticus 18. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, God said, and you shall not commit any of these abominations. Are you picking up a theme? Either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you for all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you and thus the land is defiled. Why is the land defiled? It's defiled because of the abominations. What are abominations? Anything that goes against the will and purposes of God. 
So whenever we go against the will and purpose of God on earth as it is in heaven, it causes the land to be defiled. Causes the nation to be defiled. Lest the land vomit, listen to the language. Lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it. As it vomited out the nations that were before you. God's telling Israel, you're no different than them. If you don't follow me, this same land will vomit you out too. Did you catch that? Well, that's God's chosen people. As long as they followed Jesus, they were God's chosen people. What is that saying? America. America, you're great when you follow Jesus. But if you... If you defile just like anybody else, the same thing can happen to you as will happen to anybody else. This is what the problem I have when people just start saying like blindly, God's for America, God's for America. God's only for America when we're for God. When we're living for God, when we're obedient to Him, when we're following Him, we're putting Him in first place, when we're subservient to His rules and His, to say, Lord, in, as it is in heaven on earth, as it is in heaven, what's my blueprint? What's the model? What am I supposed to be like as a person? What's my workplace? What's my school supposed to be like? What's my worship supposed to be like on earth as it is in heaven? I'm looking at heaven for my model. I'm looking at heaven for my pattern. What am I building according to the pattern of what I'm getting on the mountain? So the word to us, to America... To the world, God's no respecter of persons. God's no respecter of persons. He's not, he's not leaving out anybody. Sometimes we get this Western mindset that God's an American. God's not an American. He's God. He created everyone. And everyone is welcome the same at his cross. Everybody's welcome. No, no matter creed, nationality, doesn't matter. Race, doesn't, anybody can come to the cross, but there is only one cross. So here's what I felt like God was speaking to us today. I want to close with this. Our pattern of what we're building on earth as it is in heaven. Next time I speak, I'll talk about how do we get it out of heaven onto the earth. I'll talk about prayer and what that looks like, specifics. But today I want us to get focused on what's the pattern again that kind of, that splash of water to wake us up. Wait a minute, my pattern's not what I see. My pattern's in heaven. My pattern for what I should be as a person is not how they're living. My pattern is how he tells me to live. My pattern is not what someone else, I think you're a pretty good husband. I tell you what, careful, Jim Bob. Be careful. I mean, I, careful, careful getting advice from the guy sleeping on the couch. I think you're doing pretty good. Yeah, thank you. I'll move on. <laughs> you know, it's like careful. You. I want my model to be something that's going to cut me. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Sorry. Something's going to cause me to die a little bit. Something's going to, oh, it, it hurts a little bit. I don't want to put my blueprint of the model according to something that's easy. My model should conform to the image of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. Be like Jesus? Are you serious? How? How could I ever be like Jesus? You're predestined to be like Jesus. Wow. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? As it is in heaven. Sometimes I didn't have time to get into it all, but I want you to be assured of this too. That 
as it is in heaven on earth, is not just getting rid of the bad things and the abominations, but it's also recognizing. We sang it in this first song. It was so good. They didn't know what I was going to talk about, but that first song was just perfect description. This is how we're supposed to live as it is in heaven. The freedom you're supposed to have, the joy you're supposed to have, the peace you're supposed to have, this is what we're supposed to have on the earth. Well, no, I can't get that till I get to heaven. That's not what my Bible says. That's what my church told me. That's what religion told me, that I can't experience it. There's certain things that I cannot experience until I get to heaven for sure. I cannot see him with my own eyes. I can't have my glorified body until I get there. I understand there's certain aspects, but I just want us to make sure we understand that God is, Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, not on earth as it is in somewhere else, but as it is in heaven. So start this prayer life for yourself. Lord, I want my life not to be conformed to the image of this world, to be conformed to the image of heaven. I want my marriage. I want my workplace. Here's what I heard the Lord saying. God, just like Eden, was a small dot on the map of a huge globe. God has planted some of you, like Eden, into your workplace. You are a garden in that workplace. God has planted you there to reproduce and to prosper, to multiply and to spread not your kingdom, but his kingdom. I I heard him saying that there are too many that's complaining about their job because they say it's so dark. He said, where else would I put light? but in a place that is dark. Where else would I plant a garden except in a place that has no food? I have planted you. I've planted you to be nourishment, to be an example for the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.